0: When you get old, sitting sometimes is such a pleasure. <laughs> oh, golly. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I've had a thing on my mind for a while that I think is will be interesting. I hope it will be interesting to you. We're going to take a little tour through the Bible uh, in certain areas and have you contemplate on a few few topics that that I might bring up. Um, You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as we go on through Genesis, it tells a story. It tells a story of, you know, he made all the animals and the trees and everything that he made. And then he made, um, then he made Adam and then later he made Eve. And in Genesis 1 31, they're gonna put that up there Something that you've seen before. It said, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And so the evening and morning were the sixth day. And we know that he rested on the seventh. So uh, he placed Adam and Eve in a garden, and things were going, had to have been going pretty good. You know, they had all the food they needed. They got to play around with the animals. They got to name the animals. Life must have been pretty sweet uh, for him. <clears throat> but then after a period of time, we know that something must have happened. You know, confusion must have got in or, or temptation must have got in because we know that Eve made a bad choice and then Adam followed along. And then in later in Genesis, that... Uh, That mistake that they made and that disobedience that they did led them to be kicked out of the garden. And then if you read in the scripture there, he said, you know, life's going to be a bit tougher for you now. Adam, you're going to have to work a little bit for your food. And you're going to have to toil because not everything's going to be so pleasant. And they mentioned to Eve, life's not going to be quite so pleasant for you either, especially even childbirth you're going to remember what it is that you did. So ladies, if you want to blame anybody for that discomfort, you can blame Eve. Um, And then then time goes on. And, you know, we don't know how much time. Back then, people lived for a long time, so it doesn't really tell us how much time. But then we get to Genesis 4, 1 and 2. And in Genesis four, one, and two, it talks about the birth of Cain and Abel. It says, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel, it's interesting here, it says, now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. It's interesting that he says, but Cain was a tiller of the ground these two boys um, were born and Cain then became a or Abel then became a keeper of of the flock and I just want to pull that out we just say he he took care of the sheep and now, Cain, though, he was a tiller of the ground. Uh, and it came time for an offering. You know, I, I, I'm not sure what went on. You know, uh, you know, God was still walking with Adam and Eve, and it must have informed them about the importance of, of offerings and a way to sacrifice back to him and, and to show worship and, uh, and obedience to him. Because this is something that it says that was done because there came a point in time where Abel, it was time for sacrifice and Abel came and the offerings, well, at least offerings and maybe not so much sacrifice, but offerings and so Abel brought the sheep and Cain brought from the ground and God said he was not pleased with that. This was fine, this was not. And then it goes on and it says that Cain became disenchanted obviously because in Genesis 4, eight, it says now Cain talked with Abel his brother and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and he killed him um, what I wanted to share a little bit tonight is how could that have been? I've got a table up here tonight and I'm talking behind it because I want to talk to you about table talk. What was table talk like? How does it affect lives? How did it affect their lives? I want you to think back then, you know, Adam and Eve and they got two boys they worked during the day, but they had to eat sometime. So they sat down and they were eating. I wonder what they talked about. Maybe they talked, didn't have much to much talk about the weather. It was the same all the time. Remember? Maybe they talked about what it is that they had to do during the day. Abel shared about the taking care of the flock and how nice that was and things were going pretty good. And then Cain had to talk about how hard it was. Remember, God says it's going to be hard. You're going to have to work hard to, in the soil. Maybe Cain had to work pretty hard for what was going on. Maybe he sort of resented Abel a little bit. I wonder how Adam and Eve dealt with all of that. The fact that they had been in the garden, Cain and Abel never been in the garden. Did they reflect on the good old days? About how it was? And maybe at times how they maybe distrusted God a little bit? Well, whatever happened, these two boys took different paths. And so why and how could these types of things happen? Interesting, and how important is that? In Hebrews, and I don't have that up, but I just wanted to share with you. Hebrews 11, you know, that's the faith chapter in the Bible, right? That's where we talk about all these faith people. Well, when it begins, here's how it begins in the faith chapter. By faith, Abel. This goes all the way back to Cain and Abel says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, and, and through it, he being dead still speaks. That Abel's heart and the sacrifice and the offering that he put forth was carried on throughout history. Showing that type of relationship between God and Abel. Or that God wanted to have through man. And then I found in Jude. I didn't put a mark on that. You know, it's hard to find Jude because it's not very long. But it's in there, isn't it? Uh, well, anyway, you can find it. It's Jude 11. And I'm not going to turn quick to it. But anyway, things weren't going well in the world. And it says, this this um, difficulty that people are, are showing forth in the rebellion against God follows after Cain and what he did. <clears throat> so the importance of what they must have did, done and sit there and talked about at that table led to two different legacies that continued throughout the remainder and that we still deal with today is that talk and something happened between those two boys. And you know, Isn't it interesting that even today sometimes difficulties develop, you know, same family, different outcomes. How can that happen? The same spirit that affected these people can affect us today. And that's why we have to be very cautious and very careful at times when we're talking around our table. And we'll get to that more later. So here goes the... A little further down the road... And we're talking several years later in Genesis 5.29. That's not going to come up yet. But along comes Noah. You know. And uh, we're told in Genesis 5.29. Again, you don't have to put that up. That Lamech. These people lived a long time. Lamech was a hundred and some eighty years old. And he had a son. He named him Noah. And then uh, time goes on. And then put up this one. It's uh, Genesis 5.32. Says that Noah was five hundred years old, and Noah then begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth, three boys. Noah, the man, was five hundred years old. <laughs> now, that's kind of old, and we we know after that the the Bible goes on and it tells us that uh, things were just de- deteriorating. Man was becoming more and more uh, vile uh, to a point that God looked at it and said, I see the wickedness of man. It really is aggravating me. I'm sick and tired. I am mad that I even made man. He, he got really disappointed. And so he said, uh, I am going to destroy man. You know, but, but there's a but here. In Genesis 6-8 uh, it says in the midst of all of that all that vile all that trouble everything he says but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord well here's the first mention of grace isn't it the grace message was way back with Noah grace Noah found kind of unmerited favor right right then is a grace message now and then he tells Noah, Noah, I want you to build an ark. Noah never built an ark, but he told him, I want you to build the ark. You know, chances are the kids had to help him, if, if you think about this. And so he said, I want you to build an ark because uh, there's going to be a flood, <clears throat> but it hadn't rained yet. Uh, it was <laughs> so that was an, another interesting tidbit. And so Noah and his family, they take off and they start building this ark. You know how long they built it? How long did it take? Well, if you look at, uh, not it's up here, but Genesis 6-14, um, it kind of tells us that he was going on and on and uh, make it a for way. Anyway, he told him to build the ark. <clears throat> and then... Comes uh, seven. You can put this one up. Seven six. Says Noah was six hundred years old when the flood waters were on the earth. So Noah and his family were working on that boat for for a hundred years, because he was five hundred when he had the boys, and now he's six hundred when the rains rains come wonder what Noah and his family did at night when they sat around the dinner table and talked about how things were for a hundred years. Ah, well, I know they looked around and saw the world was, was in decay. Probably was part of the topic as to what's going on out there. Um, the boys may have said, Dad, you're working us pretty hard. You know, we've worked long hours. And, here, and I mean for 100 years. We're talking every day for 100 years. You know, they had something to do, some work to go. And what they're build? think about it, they're building this ark out there, and the people are coming around. And it doesn't say, but they're probably getting ridiculed. They're probably getting made fun of. They are they didn't even know what rain was going to do. They didn't even know what a flood was going to take place and how it was going to look so what did they talk about that allowed them to maintain because we know that when the rains came the only people that were saved were Noah and his family it would have been easy I think to talk about all the problems going on and all the difficulties out there and boy it's why are we doing all this dad and everything but it seems to me that Noah must have had an answer for all the questions And I think his answers dealt with faith, trust, and obedience. I just in my own mind think that that had to be the main topic that came out of Noah's mouth. I can't see him being too discouraged in the midst of it because he had such strong faith and trust, you know, and his obedience to it. And if you look in the faith chapter, Noah pops up real early in the faith chapter So he was able, it seems, to hold and maintain his family in spite of what was going on around him, in spite of the issues that were going on, and they had to be terrible. You know, maybe worse than the world has ever seen, but then comes Sodom and Gomorrah, and then probably worse than the world has ever seen until it gets to 2023. Uh, You know? But in the midst of it, Noah was able to keep his family together. He was able to encourage them. He was able to protect them. He was able to pass on the goodness of God in spite of the fact there's nothing that said God talked to him again for 100 years. Go do this, and then I'll be bringing a flood sometime. He didn't even know when it was going to be. So he was faithful in spite of circumstances going on around him. And we know then that in the end, all of them were saved. They went in and they were all saved. So Noah and his family obviously had to talk a little bit. Now, and I'll tell you what, I'm just picking a few examples, but I encourage you that, for me it's been fun to think about these examples that we're seeing in the different stories in the Bible and take it back to the table is what allowed them to be able to accomplish what they did or fail. You know, uh, we could be here all night, all day, all night and all day to talk about each, each people, each situation, but I, I encourage you, kind of think of it this way. Now, we're gonna go on a little further down. And <clears throat> I'm gonna talk to you a minute about Daniel. You know Daniel's story? Daniel uh, was—he was doing pretty well. He and his people, and all of a sudden, here come the Babylonians, and they—they get him, and they bring these boys back to Babylon. So Daniel's a young—he's a young, probably teenager, maybe a little more, but probably a a late teenage years, and he and three of his buddies for sure come along with him, and they're—they're put in captivity, but they're. The king's looking for some, for some wise guys and some helpful kids and th- some different things that he can mature up into the, into the understanding of what the Babylonian way is and, and help around the, help around the, the, the palace. And so he goes out and he says, and he says, he tells his, his union squadron grabs some people. So he does and, and. Daniel and his three, three buddies, they had, they had different names then, but we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's how we know his, yes. his three buddies. That's who they were. And so they're told this. They say, you know what? Uh, we're going to put before you... Use, I got to hear something here. <clears throat> we're going to put before you the best food we got and the best wine we got. And he told him, he says, the eunuchs, I want you to feed these guys, not just Daniel, but a group of them, the best food from the king's table because I want them to be healthy. I want them to get all the nutrition that they can get because I want them to be the best they can to serve, serve me uh, in the palace. And um, <clears throat> Daniel he looks at that, and then in Daniel 1.8, you can pull that up. It says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacy, nor the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. <clears throat> the um, king was offering the pleasures of the flesh. I'm going to supply all your desires for food, for wine, I don't know, there might have been more, it's not listed. But all the pleasures of the flesh were out there and Daniel, and he is with his three buddies, he says, nope, we're not gonna do that. Tell you what, here's what you can bring us to eat and let's see how that works out. The king told him at the very beginning, he says, I want you to do this for three years. For three years. I want you to prepare this group of this group of men for me. So we're talking three years. And Daniel says, no, uh, we're not going to do that. And he gets by with it. Uh, it it's surprising, you know. I, I, I kind of envision the fact that the king told these eunuchs, this is what you go do. You go do it. I'll be back and bring them back around me in about three years. I ain't got time to watch them every day. What's going on? This is what I want you to do. Daniel finds favor with the eunuch. He said, okay, I'll feed you this. And Daniel says, give me about a week or two with this diet, and we'll see how we're doing. Well, he was doing okay. And so he must have had favor with the chief eunuch. So that's how he was at. But this went on for three years. And so three years, they got to watch the other guys get good food, the best food it looked like, all the pleasurable things, the wine. And so he and the... He and his buddies got to sit around for three years and watch what was going on around them. Now, I tell you, I don't know about you, but the temptation of the flesh can be pretty strong. And so they had to kind of visually watch all of this going on around them. You can imagine in the king's palace there was lots of stuff going on. And so they must have talked at night when they were eating about what? This is what the Lord has said for us to do. We are, we are not to do this other stuff. And for three years they had to convince themselves that this was the thing to do. And I notice or I think about it is that if each one was individual enough by themselves and they were asked to do it by themselves, I don't know if they would have all survived it because there's power in unity because when things are going on and you're being challenged, if you sit around and you talk about talk about it together, each t- sometime one may say I'm getting kind of weak, and the others can encourage them, strengthen them, bolster them up, you know, so that together through unity you can survive. When sometimes when you're out there by yourself, you get picked off. Devil's real good about that. Uh, when people are are struggling or they're getting tempted, if they're off by themselves, he's real good about picking them off. Said he's out there to devour as best he can. So he'll take a week or somebody that's struggling and that's the one that he'll go focus on. He figures he's got the best chance of getting them. So these, these, these three men, or these four men must have done well to encourage each other to, to overcome what was out there tempting, tempting them. So they sat around and they had those types of conversations. Now the results of what they were able to do. The results of their obedience to God is in Daniel what 1, 18 through 21. I think we've got that one. It's a little more, and I'll, I'll read it. Verse 18, Now at the end of the days, remember we're talking at the end of three years now. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought, brought in The chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. So I don't think Nebuchadnezzar even paying any attention, it's just time's up, bring them in, let's see what we got. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, among them all, none was found like Daniel, and at this time it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in all matters of wisdom, and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. The benefits of staying strong and obedient to God in spite of the temptations and the things that we face. And then Daniel continued, it says, until the first year of King Cyrus. You know, that was 66 years later. That was 66 years later. So the the benefits of them standing strong and encouraging each other and staying together certainly had its benefits. It's the same way. If we can stand together and we can stay in unity and we can encourage each other even when there's challenges, that's our best chance to be successful in this life and to be able to accomplish that what God has called us to do, expand the kingdom and to be the best we can be for him. And it looks like he blesses that. He blesses that kind of obedience with strength uh, and and the Spirit. Um, Now we're going to move just a little bit further. got a little work to do here now be patient with me what table does this look like with the bread and the goblet. We know the story. We know all that was going on. The Lord had called together his disciples because he wanted to share with them one last meal. And so he called them together in Matthew 26. Let's read that together. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, and he gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. the uh, probably the greatest supper that ever was, uh, was the Lord's Supper where he sat and he discussed with them that this meal was going to establish a new covenant, a new covenant that was based on the shedding of his blood and the brokenness of his body And later on, and we all know for the remissions of sin and all that it accomplishes. And by understanding and what had taken place, that's where salvation came from. So he shared that that night with them. And they sat and they listened. Um, But I'm sure more than just that, I'm sure there was conversation at that table. Especially, and we've, we've seen that portrayed, especially when he said, somebody will betray me. And we see then that you know, Judas gets up and, and leaves. And he says other things in there about you know, the weight of sin and the trials and troubles that he's going to be going through. And I I'm imagine at that time there was confusion the remaining 11, to ponder on what it was that he was trying to share with them, the discussions that took place about the meaning. Some really weren't still very sure of what that all meant. And then when they left there, then they went to the garden. Uh, and while they were there, Jesus went away to pray. Three of the disciples went with him. The others stayed back and said to rest. I just have to believe that it wasn't a very good rest. <laughs> we, we portray it as they're over there sleeping. I don't know if, that, if that's correct, I, Perfect. I don't know. I'm thinking that they'd be letting. I think they're still talking where to go. What's this all about? Why So I see, see them wondering out there what was going on and sharing, sharing at that table what Christ was trying to accomplish for them. But as it goes on, and we see what happens, and even though there was a challenge to their faith and their concern, that group of men, even Peter, who denied Christ and was so, you know, I'm sure that there was a lot of discussion after that happened about what happened. Those 11 men, though, stood together, even though their faith was challenged they chose to hold on to Jesus even during the confusion, even during, the, even during all the stuff that was going on through trials and uh, all the way through even the, the crucifixion. Even through all of that, they were able to come back and hold on to Jesus and the truth that he had taught them. So I think this table was probably the greatest table because it's through that we understand but it's also to recognize what was accomplished and that the cross was there and the cross still is there for us so when we get confused and when we get troubled and we're not sure what to do we've got one place that we can always go back to because there's someone there with his arms open wide ready to help us and um we are going through those kinds of times we're going through troubling times and i'm and he said is this like any time in history I, I, yeah there have been times in history that are probably like like this obviously there were the bible tells us of them you know that's fine and good to see that yeah there probably probably were but when you're living through the time it becomes a, it becomes different and you're and we get challenged and and it's it's a time that we should uh Be sure to hold each other together. Be sure to maintain unity. Be sure to hold on to Christ and what it is that he accomplished for us. Now, though this was the important table, there's another table that I want to talk about, and that's your table. I reflect on that even now. What did my table look like at home? What does your table look like at home? What types of topics are talked about? What kind of encouragements are given or not given? Because so much can be accomplished at the table. It's interesting to recognize that right now the number of families that sit down together and have a meal have a meal once a day has decreased significantly. Part of it has to do with busyness, places to go, things to do. It's easy to, I mean it is, it's easy to sit down at the table and the TV's there and turn it on and the TV's doing what it does while you're having your meal. Or maybe one of the kids is picking up their thing or looking at their cell phone and I mean, how many times have you gone out to eat at a restaurant and the families are sitting there and they've sat down and somebody, and they all got their phones and they're looking at their phones. Uh, Technology is good, but it can be used as a a tool of the enemy. And we have to be cautious. I think we need to to, to make our table a place um, of love, uh, a place of safety, uh, one of encouragement, a way of bonding, a time of conversation. Uh, that would be a good, a good challenge for all of us to, to have that kind of table and not a table that talks about, uh, oh, how was your day? It was, it was fine, but let me tell you how bad, bad this teacher was. And well, I agree with you how bad that teacher is. And it's uh, and, and put out and spew out a bunch of negativity rather than encourage ourselves to put forth encouragement uh, the Bible does have some guidelines for the kind of things that we can do at our table. Uh, Ephesians 4.29. Four. Oh, here it is. Ephesians 4.29 says this. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. That's a good challenge to us all, isn't it? Does everything, does everything out of my mouth uh, have uh, no corrupt word and everything for encouragement? No, not all the time. Should it? Yes, it should. Uh, even in times of stress and trouble, it should, it should be trying to speak out uh, resolutions and how to get through this and how to make things better and in different lives and different people. So yeah, it uh, that was uh, when we sit around. Is that that's a challenge for us all, to be careful in those areas. And another one, and maybe one of my more favorite ones, is uh, Ephesians four, eight. Ephesians four eight. Finally, brethren. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these. Um, the uh, I think when I read these Things and then I go back, just thinking about that and thinking about Cain and Abel, and that that part in in Hebrews 11:4 when it talks about talks about Abel and how he must have been carrying himself in his relationship to God. That at the table when negativity came forth. Abel didn't. Abel tried to maintain the goodness of God. And it's okay that times are tough. We can get through these things. I think he was positive at the table in spite of some negativity because I do not believe that Cain had a lot of good things to say at the table. But Abel did. And then that verse in, in, in Hebrews then that says, And this is the legacy of Abel. Basically, that's what it's saying. He says how he handled himself. This is his legacy. And I kind of see this encouragement to us as kind of the follow-through of Abel's, what, it, what he was doing and how it was brought forth, that it says this. I'm going to read it again. Brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, what Things are lovely. With these things are of good report. If there is any virtue and if anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You know, brothers and sisters, this, this is our challenge. This is you know, uh, we, This is what we we try to do, and I know that we want to do these things. And it's just, I just think it's come a time that. We're called for a time such as this, it tells us, you know, and I tell you, it says, you are called for a time such as this. Well, that's because this is where we live. If this was, you know, hundred years ago, I'm not called for that time. I'm not called for hundred years from now, I'm called for this time. Um, this is where I'm sitting right now at 7.53 on this Wednesday evening. in a couple minutes, that time is gone. I'm not there any, that, that's in the past now. I can only be in this place for this moment, for this time. And that's our challenge because this is where we are right now, at this place, at this moment, at this time. And we have the ability to be a positive influence in others around us, but also in our families where we can, we can sit together and we can talk and we converse and kids can understand that there's love and there's safety uh, in that bond, we should maintain ourselves to be united in unity and putting forth god 's word uh, as, you know as best we can, and God recognizes that so he 's given us a guide he 's given us a book uh, to go by, and you know as i as i as I finish up tonight, golly there 's so many stories in here that if you take it back, take it down just one notch, I wonder what the table talk was about. I think we can learn a lot in that, in how God wants us to, to run our lives. So, anyway, I'm, I'm finished. So, uh, have, a, have a good evening. The <laughs> kids will be out in a, in a short time.